you weren't the most grateful passenger that day because I know you were very unhappy, first of all, where I'd parked because it took about an eight-point turn <laughs> to get the car out of a car spot and back out onto uh, Beach Road. And then secondly, you weren't happy when I turned the aircon on and sand dust blew all over your face. And then thirdly, you had a real go at me when we were sitting in the drive through and I was trying to get <laughs> and, um, So, yeah, I don't know. Just I'm not sure I'd drive you to the hospital again after an injury. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you. It's the emblem. Seven from seven. We are back in the Nodcast after a beautiful week off where we just kicked up our heels and took a bit of annual leave. Welcome, great time to be around the club. As always, I'm Steve Mann. I'm joined by Rob Mann and Sam Deegan. How are you, boys? Good, Steve. Good to be back, mate. It was an interesting week off, um, especially for you out here. Pretty quiet. Just uh, got, the, got the lawns mowed, trimmed a bit of the bushes, um, had a bit of Uber Eats. It was good. That's, that's, an interesting, um, <laughs> that's an interesting week considering I think we can break the story here tonight. That you, um, your beautiful wife Shaz was in labour during our last recording of the Nodcast, and um, young Evie was born soon after. Is that is that the, is that the case? Yeah, um, <laughs> was the case. We um, unfortunately about half an hour before the recording kicked off, the labour started. So I thought, obviously, just try and juggle all the balls in the air at once so we just went ahead with the recording and I think probably wasn't too obvious to the listeners but there was a couple of times where I just popped off screen for about 10 minutes to go plug in the TENS machine and just give her a bit of relief while she was going through contractions but um, all good managed to get the episode out and um, Shaz managed to get the baby out so everyone was a winner in this equation and uh, yeah beautiful Evelyn Mary was born Wednesday morning just as the Listeners were all waking up and listening to the podcast hit their airwaves. So, uh, yeah, very exciting times in the man household. Not a lot of sleep going on, but, uh, yeah, very excited and everyone's doing well. well. I sort of heard some yelling in the background, like, get off the effing podcast. <laughs> and then you sort of muting yourself and, and giving the finger back, like, nah. Uh, <laughs> nah, it can't have been coming from my house because um, never shows had never used any language like that. I think that um, we... We were, we were handling it pretty well. She was down the other end of the house and she kind of at one point popped her head in, not looking in the best state, going, we've got long to go and I gave the old 10-minute signal. And I think we went for about another 30 minutes or something. But that's when Stevie really started to get going. So he obviously didn't read the signals and yeah. <laughs> had a few more stories to tell. I think we, we probably went through um, four or five extra lookalikes um, whilst <laughs> Shaz was in the... Um, Midst of labour. Thankfully, uh, for the listeners out there who've had babies, Shaz's first labour was absolutely intense from the start to finish, whereas this one kind of built up. So we didn't quite get it during the absolute worst bit. It could have been a real disaster. I would have just been hanging up the podcast halfway through. But uh, no, thankfully, it was the early stages and it wasn't too bad. Um, but uh, I'll have to go back and listen to the episode again because I, I, I want to hear how much I was trying to wrap it up for the last little bit of it. I kind of felt like I was just trying to push things along, but um, I have to go back and check. That uh, was good and probably um, well-deserved week off. Took your annual leave from the Nodcast, so fair enough, and a bit of parental leave as well, so we can 
Good to be back in it, though, and a good week to be back with seven wins. Oh, superb. It's um, been a while, I reckon, since I can remember a clean sweep. Uh, but I think we've obviously never had seven teams doing it. Well, well, we've never had seven teams doing it, I don't think. So really, really exciting. And they weren't just wins as well. They were emphatic, just right across the board, big smashings. I think the, uh, the girls just kept a clean sheet. Neither side got scored against, and the 19s both belted sides, and all three senior men's teams did as well. I think every side except one sitting in the four, pretty good place to be down at the knot at the moment. That's your that was your preseason prediction too. So it's a, it's probably not far off from um, from revisiting those and just see how they're going. But I think you said all seven teams, and who? What's the one team that's not in the four? Uh, it's the threes, and we're fifth. Uh, we're only out on percentage as well. Really? Okay. So after it, we're knocking them the door. And probably the couple of weeks off may have done the thirds well after an injury crisis um, in the first half of the year with the soft tissue problems that we've been well documented by the Nodcast. So maybe things are turning a corner in the thirds and that prediction preseason might come to fruition. Of course, the other two teams, I think I went nine from nine, uh, predicting the two feeder teams would make it oh, as well. Right. And they're both sitting pretty at this point in the season. So, but onwards and upwards, feeling pretty good about that one at the moment. Um, we did have a, and speaking of thirds injuries, a, a guest lined up for tonight. And we booked him in probably six or seven weeks ago, I would say. I'd have to double check the exact message history, but very, very long time he's been booked in. He's been sending through questions. He's been, you know, testing jokes with his mates around the club, going, you reckon this a guy right on the podcast? You reckon not? And then 5.30 p.m. this afternoon, just as we're a couple of hours out from recording, just get the text. Oh, sorry, boys, I've uh, got a bit of stage fright. I'm out. I talk, of course, of Ben Woods, former twos captain, third stalwart who just destroyed his back on the weekend, so I don't reckon he's going to be playing for well, a little while. Did he carry the baby around for a lap pregame thirds as well? Yeah, I don't know. He, he, he didn't last five minutes. Um, so whatever he did in the warm-up, it wasn't very helpful to him. But probably more disappointing than his injury is his lack of attendance tonight. Expect better from Water. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, he's usually someone that would you know love to get um, a little bit of self-promotion out there and have a platform to discuss not a football and, and regale some of his stories from yesteryear when the body was a little bit more... Conditioned for the rigors of Vafa footy, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. What what reason did he give Steve? Because I'd be interested to hear what the reason is. I, I I don't think there was really much open to interpretation. He's he's. I read the message. His literal words were, "I don't like the public spotlight. I can't do it tonight." Right. Okay. I know. So, I know he went. I know he went out for some Sunday beers. So maybe, oh, yeah. uh, maybe the wife has just, you know, put the foot down and said not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe, maybe the body just not recovering like it used to. You might be a bit tired from a big weekend, on and off the field. <laughs> anyway. what, what was he up to Sunday? Because he he couldn't move as of Saturday night. So I'm I'm starting to think something's fishy here with this injury. He left. I think he was gone by half time. So he did it at the old Aaron Holmes slash Stevie Christopher and just didn't see out the game, just jumped in the car and left after he hurt his back. Didn't bother to see if we won. Um, he I just jumped in the chariot, did he? 
You did. Straight to hospital is what I assume because if you leave mid-game, <laughs> the injury's got to be pretty serious. But then to hear he was out on the turfs a day later raises an eyebrow or two. Where, where was he, Dees? He was at the pub. Uh, saw a video. He was at the pub. I think they were watching maybe the NBL um, basketball grand final or, or some sort of basketball mm. sort of mid-arvo. So There's a I bit of basketball... On Monday afternoon as well, if you're an NBA fan, wasn't there? Maybe maybe spilled over. Yeah. Could have been a really elaborate sort of, you know, I'm going to fake an injury at footy, then I'm going to call in sick for three or four days and watch some basketball upset up. Well, no, if, if, if he turns up to training Thursday, he looks fine. I reckon. Oh. Be on to I haven't seen him at training a lot this year, so not holding my breath for that one. Well, we'll have to see how it plays out. But anyway, in Woodsy's absence, we've, uh, we've got ourselves and um, it's, it's, it's not that hard to talk when all sides are flying. So might, uh, might move into reviewing the games in a second. But just before we do, just one update I would, wouldn't mind giving uh, from a whisper from a few weeks ago, back before lockdown. Uh, I, I brought to the Nodcast, as always, breaking the big stories, that there was a real movement going on around the club about the the switch of jumpers to the Founders Day becoming a permanent fixture. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and I don't have anything specific to add to that other than the fact that in the three or four weeks since, I don't know about you guys, but I've just been bombarded with people just texting, you know, grabbing you at the club going, best idea ever, get on it, love it, love to change jumpers. Um, I feel like that 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 movement's really gathering some groundswell. Well, interestingly... The last couple of games we've played um, Hampton in the Founders Jumper, have a lockdown, played Hampton again. And a few players for Hampton over the weekend were saying, what are you guys wearing this week? Strange <laughs> uniform. You guys looked really crisp um, a couple of weeks ago. And you're wearing something a little bit more vanilla um, this Saturday. It didn't stop us having a big win, and we'll get into that later. But, yeah, no, it's an interesting point to get a um, bit of momentum. And clearly the opposition are thinking the same thing. So, I've heard I've heard a lot of good good stuff. I've I've actually only heard of one person who's not for it. Um, I don't know if we if we should name names or not, but it we seems always to name be, names. On the we name names. All right, Ben Riley is uh, <laughs> what? He, he's a big no. He's a big no um, for the change of jumper. But but everyone else I've spoken to, I think, is all for it. So Ben's going to need do to re- do a bit of recruiting. Do you reckon? Um, do you reckon if we could get Ben in a, in a crisp black? Mazinod jumper, he might get around. Long sleeve, huh? Yeah, long sleeve. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, why he doesn't like it. He maybe is just I'm, a bit of the original. Well, I've seen him wear one of um, his dad Peter's original garments from the, the 1960s, oh, 70s the era. Yeah, the, he's, I've seen him wear that. So maybe he's worried that that become um, less in vogue to wear if the black um, becomes more prevalent at the club. Not sure. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so it, we were we were talking earlier. So, the original jumper from Mazenod, what Mazenod College, is it is as similar to our Founders yeah. Day? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's the the original Mazenod College design is effectively kind of right. what the Founders Day jumper is. So, I think um, I think if if Ben wants to go back even further, um, you know, maybe a grandfather's jumper or something, he might might be able to dust off a genuine lace up. In the old black design, which I, I, I must say, I'm, I'm not 
as a purist of the the old jumpers, I do like the wool. I'm going to just if we do end up getting jumpers changed at some point, if this spills over into an actual an actual jumper change. Just kind of, I reckon, get on to Carmelo and, and just see whether or not he could get me a nice muted lace-up version just to sort of <laughs> dawn on a Thursday. Like once or twice a year, I just like to rock a woolen jumper to training just to kind of remind everyone that, you know, there's a bit of history to this game. So I might have to sort Something of see. with a collar as well? Of course. Got the old, like, I reckon anyone that owns it, like, an, you know, whatever the AFL team is, but one of those jumpers that has the VFL logo on it, it's that kind of... Mm. A kind of old feel to it, I reckon. Yeah. Every colour was white as well, if I remember correctly. Didn't matter what colour your jumper was, everyone had white colours. We might have to – I know in past years we've had a, a training session night where it's sort of wear your vintage kit. Might have to, and it'd be, especially with the coaching staff that we have in place at the moment, you'd think um, Sugar and PB, um, I speak yeah. obviously of – the, the senior coaches, that they'd be able to dish up some um, pretty legit setups uh, when it comes to the, the woolen I, I heard Peter Banfield wore an old... Um, yeah, the Brisbane Bears kit. That's about layer six um, out of eight. Yeah, he wears a fair few layers on a, a Tuesday and Thursday, if you've noticed. So, yeah, if you, if you ever see him getting ready for training, um, yeah, the, the Brisbane Bears... Woolen long sleeve goes on eventually after a couple of Williamstown um, tops, and I think there's a Mazinot Guernsey in there somewhere as well. <laughs> no good on him. Well, we are uh, probably a good segue to get into the results from the the weekend because um, whatever Pete's wearing to training at the moment, it's it's pretty it's working. So let's let's stick with it. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Rob, you guys for the second game in a row came up against Hampton Rovers and. Very resounding win. Final score 23-12-150 sorry, against Hampton 9-13-67. Pretty, uh, pretty big win and great to see the the Mosquito Fleet forward line all getting amongst it. Chrissy Campbell kicks six, Miss Giangelo five. Your preseason prediction, Nick Pascuzzi, bobbed in with three, so he's just keeping himself in the mix. Pretty, yeah. pretty exciting win from the boys with a spot in the four on the line. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose last time we played them, only being a few weeks ago, um, it was pretty fresh in our mind. And, you know, I thought we played really well at Founders Day, but we probably went to another level, um, even after having a, a bit of a layoff with the lockdown. So that was really pleasing. And they obviously came to try and prove a point. Um, but, yeah, we were just too good. And I think our, our ball movement was really, really strong. I think, um, you know, people that were there, um, there wasn't a lot of people there considering the, the rules that were in place, but those who have had a chance to watch um, Vafford TV and seen, seen how he played, um, they'd be very pleased with the way that we moved the footy. It was pretty a ballistic style, I would say, um, almost like a blitzkrieg um, approach to ball movement out of the back half into the forward half and gave plenty of looks to um, that, those forwards, as you said, but it was a really consistent, um, even team effort. And what's really pleasing is how accurately we're kicking. Um, if you think back to 2019, um, the big knock on the team was that we're kicking a lot of points. Um, we're probably having shots from really wide, but yeah, playing through the middle and um, yeah, it's working out well for us at the moment. Well, it's you talk about accuracy at quarter time on the weekend, 5-1 to 1-5. It sets the game up when one side kicks straight and the other one doesn't. Um, and it really was a four-quarter performance. I think you kick five goals, six goals, six goals and five goals. Sorry, and six goals in the last quarter. So just yeah. turned it on right and, across. And, 
And the, the finishes by, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Mitchie D'Angelo and um, Nick Pascuzzi. Chris Campbell played an absolute blinder. Um, he was taking the ball at full stretch, um, doing the work at ground level as well, snapping um, some beautiful goals and also working hard back to cut some off in defence as well, which was really good to see. Um, interestingly, though, after the game, Peter Banfield made mention of this great work of Chris Campbell, but it was, it was really forlorn. It was quite interesting. You'd think someone come off the field after um, an 83-point win and six goals, um, and he, yeah, didn't look too happy. And it turns out that he just missed the quaddy. Um, <laughs> and he, and he, he, he checked his phone between sometime between singing the song and PB giving his speech, um, and he wasn't the happy camper, unfortunately. So um, hopefully, you know, Saturday he gets the double this week, um, a win against Ormond. And also the quality. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Hopefully a better week for him next week. It's funny funny you bring that up because his mood obviously changed a bit later on in the night when I heard uh, him him and his group of mates went went out to the club somewhere, booked a, booked a spot at a club. And after a few few beers, he had his highlights on the phone showing, showing everyone. <laughs> six, six had he already, so, had he already cut the fact. tape himself, had he? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he must have. He must have just pinned him or pinned the notes down of when sort of he kicked him in. He didn't download data. Data fish is it's called? Is that the the coding program we use or huddle at the moment? Um, where he, yeah, that's interesting. That's well, good on him. You know, you, if you're able to finish your work like that, you might as well show as many people as you can. If he'd done it four weeks ago. Would have been interesting just to see whether he sends that highlights package off to a few AFL clubs ahead of the mid-season draft. Just tries to well, uh, put his hand work for old Ivanhoe, so you know. But this time of year, I'd rather him just hold out to the national draft so we get we get through the season. Um, so I'm glad that we're sort of, and we're, and we're also glad that um, James Little uh, in 19 that nominated for the mid-season draft um, was pretty stiff not to get picked up. So we've got him um, in our Div One team for the rest of the year. It looks like so. Um, happy days. And we wish him all the best in the national draft in, in November. Uh, very good. Uh, Deeks, moving on to the uh, the twos from the weekend. And um, again, also doing the double against Hampton. I think final score, not as resounding as the ones were, but it seems like it was relatively safe through the day. 10-6-66 against 6-10-46. I think it was pretty close at quarter time. You guys kicked away a bit in the second and kind of pretty comfortable from there. Yeah, I would say we played better over the course of the day and, and kicked straighter than them, but um, they sort of were just hanging about through the whole game, couldn't ice it. You know, we, I, I missed a couple of easy goals and there was probably a couple others that really could have just could have broken the game open sort of started last quarter, but we sort of kept a minute a little bit. But we had – so Liam Sherlock unfortunately got dropped down for him, unfortunately for him, but good for the twos. Um, got dropped to the resis this week and played really well. And then we had Rafa coming back from injury who kicked five, uh, five of the ten, and probably was involved in the other five. So he was he was by far the best player on the ground. And, you know, when you've got like a couple of those guys running through the, the, the team, um, we we're going to be hard to beat. Definitely. It was, yeah, it was definitely really pleasing to see them. Obviously, um, Raph's been injured for a couple of weeks. So he come back and kick by, but Cheryl's absolutely dominate. And I was a little um, unsure at a couple of different times because he just seemed to be everywhere. And then I realised that 
you were out there as well, Sammy. And so um, you were both sort of just waxing off each other. And I, I got you confused um, for a couple of minutes there. It, would, it was a real good opportunity for both of us to, to play a good game. And, you know, one of us could have um, copped the, what is it? The yeah, well, you, could, you could find yourself playing game. ones next week on the back of that. <laughs> Mate, I did not get a kick until the last quarter on the weekend. So, um, Shells might have made me look a little bit better than what I was, hopefully, um, to, the, to the three or four people walking their dogs around the ground. Um, <laughs> In all seriousness, Shells, he, looked, he played a really good game. He, very, he, very um, good. He's clearly yep. developed um, through his experience of playing in the scenes this year, and he definitely looked um, yep. above that level. So good on him. And, he's a, and he is a midfielder. We, we know that. He's hard, like hard team, a hard midfielder to break into in the seniors. Um, at the moment for him. So he's been playing sort of off the halfback and, and doing a pretty good job, um, but then got the chance to run through the middle on the weekend in the resis and was, was you know, apart from Rafa, was our next best. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And it, it's and something we probably forget when we've got young guys coming into the senior team that they're sort of required to play a different role that they, than you're used to at probably junior footy. So, you know, Shells has had to adapt playing backline mostly this year, but good to see him get a full game in the midfield and, and really, you know, rack them up. And then we also had a couple of guys play like really good games. So Josh Webster, one of the fittest blokes of the club now, um, that was probably his best game I've seen him play for Mazenod out in the wing. He was getting, got a heap of the ball and um, the fitness coach, I don't know, he's, he now thinks he's a player. So, I'm even hearing that he wants to get give up the fitness and just focus on his footy for a bit. Oh, right really? That ones team. So, yeah, that that could be a little uh, a little whisper. And then we had um, Tom Matthews come back. He he injured himself in the first five minutes of of round one. Um, his knee. He's an absolute wrecking ball. He's gonna kill someone one day. <laughs> Uh, all fair. No, he's not trying to take anyone out, but he is scary. I, I'm I'm staying out of his way when I see him charging at the ball because he he has no no fear. He's just going to run through, put a hole through someone. Um, at some point this he, year, he, he he's got a good um, kick on him as well. Looks like he, he finishes yeah. his work pretty mobile. So he's he's good to have up forward. And then oh, I just need to mention a couple others because there was a couple of guys you know who who are pretty. Um, consistent players, but they easily played their best games for the year. T- Cheesy Patterson, Tom Patterson was yes. unbelievable. How good was his marking? Yeah, he's um, he's very, very tough player and uh, gut runner. He's exactly what you want in the twos. And then we just had... Another um, one who's, just another one coming out of the football factory in the freeze. You know, he just comes down with us, just really finds his form. Similar to Webby you mentioned before, obviously... We're a real yeah. development program down there in Clubby's Lane, but uh, it's great to see these boys stepping into the resis and just, you know, probably probably a little bit of step down in standard from what they've been playing, but it's good <laughs> for them to um to kind of bring that form through. Yeah. And then the other two uh, I just want to mention, we had uh, Ant Capello and Adam Gilmore in the back line, just unstoppable. Um, Ant Capello is a really, really good full back or centre-half back, but occasionally can do some funny things, but on the weekend he played a, a like a ripping four quarters and um, he was really, really good. And Adam Gilmore, the same, 
runs very robotic. Very funny running action. If you if you get down and see him, he wears the long sleeves. Um, keeps the sort of when he's running elbows at ninety degrees and really pumps the arms. Um, so he's he's good to watch too. Yeah, yeah. When, when he gets going, he he's he's pretty hard to stop. And then, but also just the arms. Hard to tackle someone when their arms are going absolutely everywhere. Um, when he's when he's running after the ball, with the ball. So, but yeah, twos are in the four now, game clear. So um, hopefully we don't have too many injuries and uh, we keep going and get a good win this week against Ormond. Yeah, very a couple, uh, injuries, very... a couple of injuries though this week, just soured it a little bit. Yeah, we had... Uh, Josh McKenna, Hammy. Yeah, Josh McKenna pinged a Hammy, but, but he's a McKenna, so, you know... I'm, Tom should I'm be able to get him, back. him to, Yeah, or yeah, he's he well, he's best mates with uh, Alex Pulesky, so we can get him on Alex Pulesky's um, rehab sort of program, and and he'll be back this week. You'd hope, but uh, no, nah, that's a joke. I don't know. And Francis, he'll probably be out. And Francis copped a big knee, I think, to the to the hip or something. So he was wasn't really walking that well, but he he'll be. You know, they're not. I wouldn't say they're big injuries. They'll be back uh, in the next couple of weeks, and we've got some depth at the club at the moment, which is which is good to to see. Finally, we're not really uh, pulling players out of nowhere. So, yeah, should be good. That's that's probably a nice little segue into the thirds because they've they've got a win. They're back up and about. The depth of the club's looking obviously really healthy. Steve, you you look pretty happy with yourself and the work of the the boys on the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're content. Um, we had an interesting one on the weekend because we came up against Melbourne High, who we beat earlier in the year, but through a stroke of absolutely terrible luck, the team that they were playing in their ones and twos forfeited. So they had the entire club to pick from for their thirds on the weekend. Oh, so, who who, who um, forfeited, do we know? I think it was... Uh, Bullying Tempest. Yeah, yeah Bullying Tempest, that was, yeah. Does anyone know what happened to them? Well, last time I saw them, we beat them by 150 points in about 2010. Um, and the, it was a, okay, so it's a off in um after that, I, I heard. Well, yeah, I don't know what happened. But I, I thought at first maybe there'd been some sort of, you know, they all lived in a tower in South Melbourne and been locked down for COVID reasons or something. But I don't know what happened there. But word came through Friday night that they're basically, their ones and twos weren't playing because of a forfeit. So... Uh, they they were a bit short earlier in the year, so they they stacked their team a little bit. Uh, which uh, you know, footy's footy, you still got to win against who you play against. But um, we probably made the game a little bit harder for us than it would have otherwise been. But we we had a pretty strong side on the park and um, really strong four quarter effort. We kicked nine one in the first quarter, so any doubt we kind of just blew them away right from the start. Uh, final score was 19-12-126, 51 point win. Over Melbourne High, eleven nine seventy five, so it was really good. Um, there was a couple of sort of notable performances. Uh, Nick Clavins, who's been back for two weeks after a bit of a vacation, um, won the Founders Day medal in his first game back and was best of field again. Uh, he's he's always a very very good player at that level, but he's uh, been some really really good form the last couple of weeks. Um, Sean Bramblett won every tap for the day as a ruckman against a guy that was about a foot taller than him, which. Not really even sure how that happened, but managed to do it. And um, a lot of the guys who've just sort of been slowly building into the season, it's getting better and better week on week. So, that, you know, your Joel Caffrey's, your Steph Davis kick four, 
Aiden Noon, who he sort of finally got back into the team, kicked a few himself. He might kick four as well. Um, Ricky Ruffalo, Chris He told Brandon. me five. He, he, he should have kicked five. He kicked four and he missed one where he marked it in the goal square. And he did that. We talked about this on a previous podcast. You know that you stand sideways, the Harry McKay, run around and snap it. Oh, he did it. Straight in front. No. And he kicked it straight into the man on the mark. And we <laughs> missed it anyway, you reckon. It was just a worth two. Um, so, yeah, no, it was good. It was a, it was a, it was a solid win. Great to see Matty Giuliano back out there on the field. Oh, he, umpire. Yep, he'd been umpiring after doing his shoulder, as we've documented previously, in the Thursday before round one. And he, he's just a, just a really good, smart, accurate kicking forward. So he kicked a couple, but he's only going to get better as his fitness comes back. And um, Sammy Who Reed. Then? Uh, Don Barker umpired, actually. Um, so oh. the treasurer, um, funnily enough, the treasurer just puts himself up as umpire and then ups the pay from 50 bucks to 500 for the day um, <laughs> is, is, is a whisper I was hearing after the game. But now Dom, Dom actually credits him. I think he uh, put the money on the bar after the game. He did a fantastic job. He's, a, he's got a future at umpiring if he wants it. He was really good. Um, and so as a I you know, one, taking too much abuse from players as well. No, he was just good. Like I, th- I think abuse is typically reserved for bad umpiring decisions and, doesn't matter whether they're like your team umpire or an opposition team umpire. Is just has ha- as is happening in the lower grades this year. You know, if they if they umpire all right, everyone's pretty good. And this was a game where both umpires were just very solid. So it was just you know really smooth game of footy. The other one that was promising to see was Sammy Reid. I think we've documented he's played two games this year and he's uh, done his calf pretty much immediately in both of them. The last time he did his second calf running to the bench after injuring the first one. <laughs> uh, he came back, got through the game, kicked a couple, was fairly dominant. So he's he's only going to get better week on week. And um, we had the return of Pickles, Michael Pecora, who oh. had a fairly horrific finger injury in round one. He uh, finally, after a lot of treatment and rehab, made it back on the field and unfortunately did his hammy. So he's going to be out for a while, <laughs> which um, given our season so short, it's been an absolutely horrible run for him this year. So... He wasn't doing yeah. the conditioning on the hamstrings in the layoff. He's a he, he's a fit guy. Like he's old. He, no one realizes how old he is because he looks like he's about fifteen. Still can't grow any facial hair, but he's thirty five, and he just sort of message after game goes, you know, it's tough being old. But I don't think he's had too many soft tissues before, so really frustrating one for him. Um, but yeah, it and was how's a B-Man it was a bit, holding up. Oh, he. He looked like he, yeah, he, he looked like he he'd been shot at one stage. He jumped over someone, landed on his arm, and came off. You know when they lay on the ground, grab the shoulder, like it's just popped out of the bone, uh, you know, out of the skin type thing. And he went off, and everyone was like, "Oh, you know, like stop the game, this guy's." And he was back on in about fifteen minutes. So he's he's all right. Just a stinger. Yeah, not, he's, he's done one ACL this year. He's played through it. He's now broken his shoulder. He's played through that. I don't know. While you're talking about that, I don't know if you um, saw Rob. I wasn't. I didn't hang around at the game, but I obviously watched the vision uh, later on. The Hampton um, captain against you guys popped his shoulder out about four or five times throughout the game. Did you see that? And kept Number coming 18. back on. Yeah. 18. Yeah. Crazy. He must, he must have a loose. Yeah. Must be loose in the joint. I, I noticed it was strapped. Um, yeah. Just while we're talking not, about not a I think it's, I think it's less painful the the more it sublaxes or the more it dislocates because it, it, it's not hard right. to get back in. But 
Um, yeah, he'll need to have the the recode after the at the end of the season. You'd think it's not a pleasant one. We, I remember a former player, Anthony Chivarella, who was a good mate of Pickles, actually, um, which is bringing it full circle. But he got to a point where he'd he'd come out twice a week for the last four or five years of his career. Just be twice a week, he'd be out, he'd put it back in. Just like he wouldn't even go off the field. He'd just be down in the forward pocket. He'd like go for a mark, get an arm spoil, ball would dribble out of bounds. He'd be like moving his arm, trying to jag it back in, and then he'd yeah, back in and he'd be in roving to the throwing. It just it, it got ridiculous. So um, not a good thing for the long term. Remember the day, Steve, that you drove me to hospital with a dislocated shoulder after I popped yep. it out? Um, Steve turned the aircon on for me because it was fully out. They couldn't get it back in and um, sand went straight in my eyes because it was it was the first hot day in September and the aircon hadn't been turned on for a while. Um, yeah, I mean... So, uh, not, not, Sandy, Sandy Hospital? Yeah, well, you get benefit of the doubt being injured, obviously, that we try and make it as comfortable as possible. But you... You weren't the most grateful passenger that day because I know you were very unhappy, first of all, where I'd parked because it took about an eight-point turn <laughs> to get the car out of a car spot and back out onto uh, Beach Road. And then secondly, you weren't happy when I turned the aircon on and sand dust blew all over your face. And then thirdly, you had a real go at me when we were sitting in the drive through and I was trying to get <laughs> and, um, So, yeah, I don't know, just... I'm not sure I'd drive you to hospital again after an injury after, after that. Sort of well, the problem was it was a it was a prelim final in 2012, and we'd already lost three guys um, to hospital before I just gave my shoulder. So we had a, our own little ward in there. Myself, Reece, uh, sorry, Nick Thomas, Chuma, and Stewie um, yeah, set up camp, and we had the scores coming through, and obviously we ended up losing. Um, but yeah, that was a strange one. Funny story about that day, actually. Um, obviously, as you said, there was the, the, the Mazinod ward going on in there, but that wasn't even the first trip my car had made to hospital that day because Shaz actually drove Stewie to hospital when he got concussed in the first quarter. Oh, really? So she the car, drove Stewie down to the hospital, drove back. She's the one that parked the car in this, you know, kind of out-of-the-way spot. And then, you know, I think yours must have been just after halftime or something. And yeah. we, um, and we yeah, yeah right. we, we then jumped in the car and... But yeah, getting back to us, um, we're now sitting fifth. So just out of the four, unfortunately, we've got a short season. So we've only got four games to go. But we play the top side this week, which is a real test for us to, to pick one up on the rest of the competition. And then we play the two sides above us the last two rounds, as well as one of the bottom teams. So destiny is well and truly within our control. We've just got to keep building on the form that we've started to produce over the last few weeks. And uh yeah, as you said before, we're the only side outside the four at the moment. So pressure's on the thirds to, uh, you know, pick up the slack and, and kind of make some sort of Mazenod history, I'm sure. I don't think too many sides would have ever had this many teams, you know, in a position to make finals or certainly making finals. Yeah, and you'd think the president would be up and about. I, I, I saw his poster in the week. That was great to see. Uh, Matty Backhouse doing a great job leading the the club this year and in an all-time successful um season it looks like so now the thirds are up, up and about maybe he'll have to hear from the president i'm sure that's what gets inside yeah it's funny isn't it the press we um early in the season just sort of you know we put in a call to his media people and just said it'd be great to get the press on the podcast at some point and just no response from the uh the vp admin just didn't even bother responding to any of our emails or texts and then as we season goes along a little bit few wins few sides approaching finals all of a sudden you know, he just 
I'm going to get four or five voicemails from him every couple of days, just checking in, you know. All of a sudden, I reckon, yeah, he'll be very happy to get him off to get him on in a few weeks, I think. You reckon a bit of Stevie Ballack, not, not worrying too much about the early rounds, but get me on later in the season when the whips are cracking. Yeah, I think that um, as, as the season builds up and there's a bit more success, everyone kind of understands that around footy clubs, there's a real momentum. And I reckon if you, you know, and obviously these politician types, they're all over this sort of stuff, but, um, you know, you, you want to be on the podium when the uh, award's being handed out, not when the hard work's being done. So I reckon, I reckon Matt, as is Stevie, all over that. I reckon if you, if you navigate the club to seven final series um, after a, a year off, you could almost ride yourself into the constitution for a, a life term as president, couldn't you? Pretty early, we're halfway through the season. We haven't made yeah. any. No one's made finals yet, but oh, the, the 19s boys probably have actually. But uh, but no, it, it would be a super successful season. And I think I think it's um, I mean, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, but it uh, it speaks volumes for a lot of the work that's been done. It's really kind of a double season here because last year, kind of coming off the back of 2019, and you know some mixed results on field across the club, um, till sort of you know managed through the year off, as you say, come back with all teams firing strongly. I don't know financially and, you know, function-wise and everything else, everything's firing on all cylinders at the moment. So pretty good place to be at the moment. Do you reckon the, um, usually when every team wins, it's sort of president shout at the bar um, after the game. Do you reckon that carries over back, like, for when we're allowed to conjugate back into the social rooms? Do we get... Oh, credits. Credits in the bank. Very yeah. good question. Very, very good question. And it's funny, isn't it? He was very celebratory. Yeah. I wonder if how much of that had to do with the fact that, you know, well, the yeah, credit card can stay in the world. Yeah. I, would, would allow it. I think so. I think there's a bit of that. We do have a triple header at Central this week where you've got the threes, then the twos, then the ones. So probably would assume some of the more likely to spend money on the bar, people be spread across those three teams. So if he does decide to go down that path, it could be a very costly <laughs> exercise for the budget. Yeah. He might he might save it for a, a Sunday afternoon after the girls, maybe. <laughs> and, and a late yeah. sort of post, anyone who comes down. We'll yeah, see. Well, I'll, I'll bring that up. Although, from what we've heard from having a few of the girls on the podcast this year, I reckon there's a few of them that would probably still put a dent in his... Bank belts. Oh, definitely. If there was whispers that he was going to, I reckon there'd be people hanging around just to just for the one the one drink, just to drain these pockets a bit. <laughs> <laughs> the president's always chasing up money um, for the people to pay their subs, so it might be a way for some of those guys to to get back at him. <laughs> Lure them in, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's move on to the girls. So. Um, senior women's leagues, we mentioned it in the top, but a huge day. We'd, we'd come into the day undefeated and we had the girls on the Sunday trying to make a 7-0. and And I don't think you could do it in more resounding fashion than both teams holding their opposition scoreless. So the, uh, the senior team, 9-15-69, up against the old arch rivals, North Brunswick, AFC, 0-0-0. Diggs? What'd you make of this one? Huge, huge game from someone we haven't talked about for a little while, but our girl Lara Del Conte, I think, kicked five, didn't she? She's kicked another five. So I, I don't, don't hold me to this, but I think she might have kicked ten goals for the season, two bags of five. 
Oh, wow. Um, both against, maybe, both so, against North Brunswick? I uh, don't know. I'm going to check know, this right now. Uh, that could be way off, but That's I can't remember effort. calling her name for a little bit. So she went, she went quiet for a couple of weeks, but then you don't, you don't see too many big bags of, of five in girls' footy, um, especially in Masnod sort of teams. So that's a pretty good effort to do it twice. I've just so checked. She kicked three against them in round one. So she's kicked three oh, and five yeah. against them, eight of her ten. Oh, maybe she, she, she she's, she's got, got their number. She's got their bunny. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't like kicking what goals like just one a game, does she? she when she's going for it, she's gonna she's gonna kick a few. Um, yeah, I I I wasn't there. Um, and I, unfortunately, they don't video the girls' games, so I couldn't watch it uh, on on the VAFA website. But I've been given some info, so yeah, obviously they dominated from the from the get go. And apparently, North Brunswick only had three inside fifties for the game, um, yeah. which is an absolute. Shellacking. So, I think the, the the teams are sort of mixed around a bit, um, position wise. And I know Nicola Piggott kicked her first goal for the club, which is that's awesome. You know, the, a lot of them are kicking their first goals for the club, but she's played every game since the start. Um, and then she ran o- over to hug her dad, who was on the other side of the fence. So, <laughs> <laughs> which so is he, was, he just happened to be walking his dog at the, the exact time that. She's slotted one. That's amazing. Yeah, and she and I heard her ask during the week whether uh, she was keen because she heard she was going to be playing up forward. She wanted the the grippo. Um, oh, requested it. Yeah, but then she she said, "Should I put some grippo on my boot so that the ball <laughs> is more likely to kick straight?" Won't, won't slide off the side of the boot. So <laughs> it was an interesting technique, but it obviously worked. Uh, <laughs> Nicola Piggott, of course, for those who don't know, uh, the, the partner of Jake Charm and the goal-kicking coach down at the girls. <laughs> There's yeah. some very peculiar and, and potentially unsuccessful goal-kicking type routines going on in that household. <laughs> what do I you think of the they... grip on? Nah, not a fan. Hate it. Wouldn't use it. Never. Yeah, no. Yeah. A, and there's always someone that puts way too much on, and then you're sort of kicking around the warm-up ball, and there's so much grippo on the ball, then it ends up all over your hands. No. Now, the only thing I would say for grippo is a guy I mentioned earlier in the threes rundown, Nick Clavins, who has some of the best jukes I've ever seen. He lathers the stuff on. I reckon. I reckon there was a point in time where he actually started making his own homebrew grippo. And just bringing it in in tubs for himself in the game, he just is that into it. So, the old Josh Webb, that's what room. Webby's doing. Yeah, yeah. Webby's moved from the bourbon to the the gripper in the bathtub. He's got yeah, he got the old ore out, just stirring the bathtubs at home. I don't know. If, well, if whatever club's using it works, so if he ever decides to commercialise, um, Nicola Piggott might be a good customer for him. I'm not. I'm not sure the gripper on the boots is gonna is gonna work too well, but. Yeah, some, some snake oil salesman. Use twice as much. Put it on your boots as well as your hands. You, you'll you'll kick straight. You'll. He's just trying to sell more. <laughs> but that just flies yeah. in the face of the old adage of chew on your boot to put you off when you deliberately put in grippo, so <laughs> <like> a sticky <laughs> muck on your on your kicking foot. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me. But I can't you know. imagine it'd be that great for the for the leather eater. Um, oh, why don't you clean your boots? Nah. Yeah, I don't know. But so a couple of good players. So Tiani Pizzito, um had her best game of the season. She dominated through the midfield. Danny Dodos uh, 
had her best game in the ruck. Almost Good didn't, night. didn't it almost didn't make the game because um, I think she was driving. She she lives in the Hampton area, I think. So she was just coming down to uh, just check out the the footy on Saturday, watch how Chris was going. Chris might have sent a sort of message at halftime saying, "Hey, I've kicked a few early. I'm on today. Come <laughs> down and watch me turn it on." And she got in a big big car crash on the way to the game. Whoa. Um, what? Cars written off. So oh, her, that's her, that's really that's particularly worrying given the dodos are extinct because you can't afford to lose another one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can. A bit, a bit of a they're, they're all, all an animal they're reference all, might yeah. work for someone out there. Yeah, but are you saying that? Are you saying that? No, chicken? they're all fine. They're all fine. They're all fine. The car was a write-off though, and and the, her younger sister who plays at the club too. Um, had had a little bit of whiplash, so that was that was the 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 worst bit of it. So, she, uh, but she didn't get to play yesterday due to that. Um, but Danny did, and she was she was best on. And then uh, Ellie Michael. Um, so she's had a few concussions this year because she's a Michael, and Michael's put their head over it. So um, no surprises there. But she's uh, she got. Well, it was a. I think she her comeback sort of game from a few concussions. So she had a few weeks off, but she played really well and got the confidence back up. And um, the captain, Aaron Bunter, after a few coffees on the way to the game, uh, <laughs> dominated as well. I did hear that... Um, She's had a big year. She has. And I, I heard, obviously, when you keep the opposition scoreless, and as we've just heard, three inside 50s for the game, the back line's doing pretty well, but... I did hear that Ali Michael, Aaron Bunter, and Laura Backhouse were just literally like a wall, impenetrable wall across the back line. There, just nothing went past them the entire day. So, yeah, it, well, three inside fifties suggests that, doesn't it? The, I don't know who was uh, who was on the last line of defence. They wouldn't have seen the ball all day. You wouldn't um, want to be playing the anchor no. in that eighteen-man defence or eighteen. That's when you defense. do the Steve the Steve Ballack and just run up straight up the ground into the the forward line. Just leave you your opponent in the goal square. Then we've got to mention as well, um, there's a couple of girls who came up from the Resies. Uh, I'm not sure whether... Oh, they, they're obviously a couple of better players than the Resies, so Jess Grignard and, um, and uh, Julie Batoli came up as well, and they played really well too. So um, there's some good depth there, uh, sort of heading into finals. The girls play a, a shorter season too, so... You know they're not there yet, but they're they're well on their way with these big wins um, for both both playing finals, and so maybe just changing it up a bit and seeing how how some girls play in, in different teams and you know if needed. Um, so so they were really good. Cool, and then a similar story in the Resies, um, as an odd five twelve forty two against Brunswick. North Brunswick, I should say, because there's more than one Brunswick. I don't want to offend anyone out there, but North Brunswick, zero, zero, zero. So, <laughs> really, big, really big win. Did you catch much of this one, Deeks? Uh, yeah, I, I, I got sent a, a girls' rap as well. So, um, from the coach, Georgia, she was very, very happy with the result. Um, and why wouldn't you be keep, keeping, the, keeping the team to, uh, yeah, zero? Is always a good start. Uh, goes a long way to winning the game. But they kicked an early goal. Narelle Davis kicked a, a really early girl, uh, goal and that just got them going um, throughout the day. 
Meb, a couple of mainstays, Elise, Yvette and Caitlin just dominating through the middle and Dakota Thompson kicked two goals uh, for the game and, and good to see Louisa Gennetti back. She was one that um, we mentioned early in the year that could have a big year um, but then got injured. Um, girlfriend no of, curse. of Alex Pileski. Yeah, no cast curse. So she got injured. So, But she's back and kicked a good goal. So the two are going really well. I, I, I did hear... hear you mentioned Dakota Thompson, but I think she kicked both her goals in the first quarter. And um, I did hear one of them was the old out of the ruck in the goal square kick from midair, Daniel Wells style, the Jackie Chan from uh, midair, pretty much. And apparently, she she just took it out of the ruck, just popped it through. So some some real acrobatic sort of stuff going on down there as well. From the, from the yeah, maybe I know I know uh, Emily Scrinyar's popped a ripper falcon straight in the nose. Had to go off on the with the blood rule, um, which is never nice. You don't want, yeah, that hurts. Uh, ball <laughs> straight in the snoz, and then obviously you, you read out the score on five goals, twelve was it? Yeah. Five goals, twelve. So the goal kicking coach, uh, from what I hear, didn't make it down to training during the week. Oh, um, no. So look, he wasn't going that well as it is, but when he's when he's not rocking up, the wheels have just well and truly fallen off from the uh, accuracy Jeez. accuracy point of view. So he was uh, out playing Grippo, perhaps. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah. So other than that, the twos are uh, the twos in the where are they in the ladder? Are they they're in the contention, aren't they? Or are they in the four? Uh, they're there about the moment. I'll, I'll just check for you. Um, just just while we're having a look, and yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're third, they're third, yeah, and, and and two games plus, sorry, four games and one hundred and eighty percent clear of fifth. <laughs> I I don't want to. It's um, a lock. We call that one. We'll call that one. <laughs> Probably a reasonable chance. Um, just a couple of little ones out of the women's resis because I think we talked about it earlier in the season. Brunswick, uh, North Brunswick, are, they're I think a bit of an old foe. I think they might have been around for. Most of the years the girls have been playing and there's a bit of a rivalry building up there. Um, I know there's a couple of players in particular that have been there the whole way through from the opposition um, who, are, who are quite, how would we say, a little maybe infamous or notorious or whatever you want to call it. But um, one of them, um, I won't mention her name, but she's, she's sort of an older lady who plays with them. And she, she's quite rough. Apparently she had a few run-ins with various players over both the games they've played this year. But... Um, Apparently, Caitlin Wellsford just absolutely. I, I, I don't have a. This is where you, you wish you had the videos of it. But from what I understand, she just, um, after having a pretty bad start to the game, I think Caitlin rocked up, had a bit of anger issue after opening her bag and finding she'd spilled Gatorade all over her jumper. Oh, no. She didn't have a good day. But apparently, took it out on this, this um, how shall we say, sort of Bully. older vintaged. Uh, yes, but yeah, you know, quite aggressive. <laughs> Opposition player. So apparently, Caitlin took a mark. Um, mark was paid. Bit of confusion with the umpire, sort of how many times they blew the whistle or whatever. And this uh, this woman's run up to to lay a big tackle on, on Caitlin, who's just just kind of looked at her like like while being tackled, giving her a bit of a you know, bit of contempt. Her on the ground and just went back and took her kick, kind of thing. So yeah, quite a quite an interesting. Uh, Quite an interesting one there, and I think a few of the girls were quite excited about that, given the rivalry they've had with 
with this team and this lady over the years. Um, I did see Elise D'Angelo, the captain, very good again by all reports. Um, and this, she also cleaned up this same player from North Brunswick at one point in the game. So there was a bit of a bit of a line in the sand sort of style about it by the sounds of things. D'Angelo's like physical footy. You know, um, Jackson and Mitch, they're they're up to their old tricks on Saturday as well. So um, I'm sure Kamala would be happy with the, the family going about it. Yeah. And sister, it turns out. Yeah. I think uh, I obviously mentioned Caitlin, but apparently she won every hit out. So keep speaking of clean sweeps, apparently every single hit out of the day she won. So fair, um, fair effort there. And then a couple of others that I I heard played quite good games. Nina Marvin, very good. Um, Peter Basson, very good. Zoe Spicer, first game back from injury. You mentioned a couple of those in the ones digs, but she was apparently bit of a force to be reckoned with out of defence and uh, she's only going to get better first game back and Bianca Baldwin as well. So just, she's another one puts her head over it, apparently finding some really good form. So that, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty strong position across both girls. And we, we should bring up, we had, we had Cass Stevenson on, uh, on the last episode with, with Simon Hall, um, but she apparently was handing out, uh, she had she start, she made her own QR code, um, oh, and and printed it out. And the when you scan it, it takes you straight to the Spotify link of her episode oh. of the podcast. And she was handing those out. She wanted to get the views up, uh, make sure oh. that that everyone heard her, her episode. So uh, that's what she was doing during the week. Um, so she was, she was wearing a Puma kit too. So I don't know if Holly had um, negotiated yeah, some uh, mutual <laughs> benefit from that deal. The, well, we're playing we're playing at Central this week, so I know that there's QR codes everywhere. So we'll have to when we scan in, we'll have to just make sure, check, it's, the right one. Make sure it's the right one, not not the Spotify link, because um, that's what she was up to. I know was your your team scanning in on on Saturday, Rob? Because our team uh, in the Resies, Tom Patterson uh, was making sure he saw everyone's green tick before they were allowed to play. <laughs> um, just self. Self-appointed COVID marshal of the two. Um, wasn't let. Yeah, it was good. Wasn't letting anyone. And and as soon as he 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 sort of yelled because sort of everyone sort of walked in and no one did it. And he he got fired up and said, "Everyone get out of the rooms. Show me a green tick before you come back in." So that was yeah. good. Good on him. I, yeah. Maybe a little because um, Marty McMahon um, had the the responsibility for the senior. So. I could see Cheesy becoming just morphing into Marty as he gets a little bit older, gets a little bit more influence around the work site. <laughs> oh, that would be a great pairing. Those two, maybe those two could do something uh, at the at the at the uh, Mazenod Got Talent Night M Factor. Oh, yes, style, which oh, we yeah. should which we should mention is not this week. Uh, if you listen to it before Saturday, it's get it's we're not allowed people in the rooms, so. Um, it's getting pushed back a couple of months. So just to, to bring that up while we're, while we're sort of talking about it. And I've also got a date for the raffle. Uh, reverse the reverse raffle. raffles on the 17th of July as well for people listening. So that'll be, well, that's sort of three, four weeks away too. So, so pencil that in the diaries. Um, that's coming up. How, how well. good are those acts going to be? With an extra couple of months to prepare, it's going yeah. to be, it'll be like going to Broadway. We'll be some really impressive stuff. I think. A bit of Circus Soleil, maybe. Yeah. 
We were talking about Paz and his ability to bounce on a fit ball while derobing himself. That's going to be nothing compared to what we'll see with this extra preparation time. Well, one of the the mainstays or one of the, the big names that we've got around the club um, that we spoke about last time may have contacted me during the, the week um, since our last episode. Um, Tom Ojoaz sent a little message through saying the creative juices are flowing and there's a, there's a little bit of planning going on. So I'm not sure if you've heard this, Diggs, but I understand that he's on a little bit of a recruiting spree at the moment. We might yeah, see I, something pretty spectacular. It's probably not it's probably not strong enough to go as a in the whisper section yet. Okay. Um, but the I, I think oh, from what maybe I'm the hearing, murmurings. We're just hearing the some murmurings. murmurings. The murmuring section is that there's there may be a band forming. So Whoa. if if uh, if you can find some. Is the, the rumour I'm hearing. Or when I saw Gus Paddy last week for my osteo appointment, there was a little bit of trumpet playing I could hear from the studio uh, before I got there as I drove up. So I reckon he might be getting ready. And I know that his brother Zave is pretty handy with a, an instrument or two. So the Odjuaz Paddy Talus maybe I'm hearing possibly. Talus. Yeah, Osbert um, can strum the nylons pretty well, apparently. So we'll see. Rob, how much is Gus paying you? Because you have mentioned that you go to him every week <laughs> without fail. We talk about on this podcast. It's the most blatant product placement I've ever heard. Nary North Osteo is a fine sponsor of the club. Um, and he's a fine practitioner and, and soon to be teaming up with former player Paul Yacovangelo as a, a podiatrist. So if all, your, all your needs in one um, helpful location out in Narry North. So for those people that live in Glen Whaley near the club, um, you've got a half an hour drive to get out there, but well worth it. So, um, yeah. Yaka definitely awesome. does know his feet, particularly left feet. He had a booming left foot when he played, so I imagine really knows how to curate a left foot. Um, let, let's let's move on. The the nineteens. So um, the the nineteens Blues just undefeated, obviously going into the break, and don't seem to have lost any of that coming out of it. Um, big win on the weekend again, seventeen fifteen one seventeen against Uni Blacks four eight thirty two. Really, really good all round performance from the side. Unfortunately. Wasn't a great start. Um, Rob Amendola badly did his ankle during the week of training. So he's going to be out for a while. I think with the buys, he probably only misses a couple of games, but that's a bit of a loss for the team. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it was a really big win on what was a pretty boggy, muddy oval from what I hear. Um, top side playing bottom side. You usually expect it's not going to be a super close game, but I think Mazenod played them last time, started really sluggishly, so we're keen to come out well and, um, had a couple of guys coming back, Harry Boxall, um, Seb Formoso, both returning from long-term injuries. So I think the side looking to start well did um, probably not start as well as they quite would have liked. It was uh, a goal to a goal at quarter time, but uh, Mazenot after that decided to sort of slowly kick away over the course of the game. And in the end, it's a, it's another win in the books. Um, guys got through pretty healthy. I know Jack Caspers, Matt Albrecht and Andy Kovac kicked three each. Fletcher Ford, Eamon McKenzie, Mitch McCarthy, Johnny Backhouse, Kalen Theodore, Sean Mosford and Harry Boxall in his return, kicking a goal, getting amongst it. And I um, think word was Eamon McKenzie best on ground, quite clearly. Just, I know he played a 
Rezzy's practice match at the start of the year and the boy can run, but uh, apparently oh, just yeah. even in the sloppy conditions just ran all over him on the weekend. And uh, Christian Brocchio as well was um, really solid, multiple efforts across the course of the day. And then a lot of the usual suspects, Geordie McDonald, Ethan Sherlock, Lockie Stewart, just some very, very, very positive signs because even when they don't really turn it on, yeah, it's still a pretty big win. You know, kind of 80 points. They're just uh, coasting on pretty nicely down there at the Blues. Yeah, they're really building towards something. And you'd you think September's in their sights well and truly now. Uh, I haven't heard too much about the 19s this week, so I don't really have too much to add. I did see um, Damien Sherlock walking past my house and had a quick chat to him um, this afternoon, and he was pretty happy uh, with how the team's going, but didn't want to didn't want to give too much away. Just didn't just keep the cards close to the chest. Yeah, Bill Cagey. Did he, did he put the Did he put the best players in on the website this week? No, I had to get someone who lived next no? to the ground yeah. film it okay. from their balcony because uh, yeah, just. Not interested, um, but uh, let's let's get on to the nineteenth blacks because um, they played before us on the weekend down at Central, and as a a Nodcast aficionado, I was very excited to rock up to the game. Of course, you can't get there too early these days with the no spectator rule, so I rocked up kind of mid to late third quarter, and with the handful of spectators around the ground um, who are obviously all officials and, you know, people helping out. There was a big buzz going on and it didn't take me long to figure out what it was. Um, former Nodcast guest and hamstring Skipper. expert. Yeah. Uh, self-appointed people's captain, Alexander Pleshi, best on ground kick five in, oh, a, uh, in a 69 point win. So Mazinod, 16 13 109 against Bo Morris 5 10 40. It was it was over all day. We kept him goalless in the first quarter, goalless to half time. By that point, we kicked six and yeah, just uh padded it out a bit in the second half. But yeah, it was um it was all done by then. So as I mentioned, Alex Pelleshi kicked five. Um, our man who we are we've we've been getting about a bit and and, and quite rightly so, I reckon. Um, Christopher Pond, he kicked three, was 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 really good. Um, as did Lockie Roberts. Cooper Fisher kicked two. Um, yeah, really just solid performances across the board, but they they just they've found some form after a really slow start to the season. The 19s Blacks are just they're really humming at the moment. They're the story of the year for mine. The way that they started to where they are now, real big transformation. And, and it has to be on the back of you know the, the spiritual leadership um, of a couple in the team, you'd think. Pondy being one. Alex being another, um, really got the younger guys on board and, and also the recruiting drive that's been going on. They're just adding guys every week, a lot of depth. Tristan Fernandez had a, has had a really good season and then you've got um, James Russell as a utility. He's he's teammate of Walsey in the um, source in the two. So he's, he's someone coming through. And then you've got... Also, Julian Smith, who former boundary umpire and water boy, who's you know stringing some games together after having um, interrupted preseason with a, a broken wrist. So, a lot of depth there and a lot of talent moving forward. And, and I know the senior team um, is really looking forward to having a, a session um, or two with the 19s over the bye weeks coming up. So, that's the plan, I understand, to get a little bit more integration between the, the seniors and the 19s over the coming weeks because. 
Um, we haven't probably had those opportunities this year with the restrictions around training and, and function. So it'd be good to get a little bit more integration with those teams moving forward. I think um, they're obviously in the, the absolutely packed division. There's 14 teams in that division that they're in. So I think it's the final six that they play. Um, sitting six at the moment, they're 90% clear in six. So obviously still on the cusp, but doubt that percentage is getting run down. But um, yeah, I mean, from obviously, obviously they went down a division, but from where they were round one with a hundred point loss um, to, to where they are now, sort of, you know, midpoint of the year and a bit past the midpoint of the year and um, sitting in finals contention. It's a, We're in the it's thick a, of it, yeah. All right, moving on then. Well, um, Rob, your theme for this week, I think um, you picked a good week for it because there was a few heated battles over the weekend. Um, what, are we, uh, what are we delving into this week? Yeah, well, over the last couple of weeks, having played two games um, against the same opposition, um, there's a bit of a rivalry emerging between us and Hampton and those people that have been fortunate enough to see both matches a very select few would know that they've been pretty heated battles that we've um, been able to get on top of. But yeah, there is a, I just wanted to unpack some of the rivalries the clubs had over the years. And obviously this changes um, every generation or so. Um, I know from in my time, we've had a a couple had a a long lasting rivalry with Ivanhoe, especially after they beat us in the 2013 grand final. And since then um, we beat them each time and accepted the matchup this year, so that that that's that's been a long-lasting one, and I also we've had a history of tight clashes and um, fiery encounters with Ajax over the journey. Um, also, Oakley crushes for many years. Sorry, just on Ajax. I think that every team has a a rivalry with Ajax, don't they? I think they're universally just yeah, not a well-liked club. Uh, <laughs> I think they they, 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 they have that they cultivate that real us against them mentality, which um, a lot of the successful clubs in leagues do. I reckon like they, I know you um, you know played against them a lot over the years, and you sort of go down to that. It's a horrible oval in the middle of Albert Park because there's kind of no atmosphere, but they sort of they make a fair bit of it. They have their functions in that in that club rooms, and they get a bit of a decent crowd around. It's um, and it's always hard to win out there. It's never, yeah. it's never, and we we won in 2019, which is the only time, in, you know, in my time at the club that we've done that, and that's, it's just a, it's just a not a likable venue to play footy at, and also the fact that we we played there when we got relegated in in 2015, um, we went down narrowly to them after, um, you know, going down to the death. That that one sort of. Yeah, you know, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Um, well, and yeah, then you were you, that one as well. You weren't you like seven goals up, had to win to stay. Yeah, up. I think we were behind, and then we were we we were behind. We came back, got got a fair lead, and then they they called it back. That was the day that we we went real tall with the the four recognised ruckmen um, and <laughs> ran out of legs in the last quarter. So there might there might have been a little bit to it. Um, with not having Andrew Weeks is um, Andrew Weeks is still in hiding in the middle of the Northern Territory after um, has has lived that one down. Is the I haven't seen him since. Yeah, um, he's but, uh, didn't didn't take the relegation too well. So yeah, Ajax and they and they're one of those teams that they went up um, when we're in B grade. They're in B grade. We're in C grade. They've been in C grade um, for a number of years. So and also going back to some previous grand finals, I, I think we beat them by the 
large, la our largest winning grand final margin. I think it was around 100 points back in the, the early 90s. So, yeah, there's there's been some history there. And you've also got the Oakley Crushes, um, the local derby for a number of years that, there where there was some pretty heated battles um, back in, you know, the early mid 2010, 2011, 13. I remember some ones against them. What about your time at the club, Steve? Any anyone else? Um, I feel like it. The rivalries often come down to you have a couple of kind of close games and you stick around in the same divisions for a little while and then it kind of builds on itself. I remember there's been patches where old Campbell have had some really close games yeah. against yeah. them. Um, some big wins, some big losses. When I say big, close wins in important games and close losses in important games. Um, Caulfield, oh, Grammarians at different stages. They've been kind of, you know, obviously they're, they're doing pretty well at the moment. They're up yeah. for divisions a bit, but probably 10 years ago, they were very much on the same level as us. Um, I know from as a twos the player. The premiership year when the scene is um, on the flag a few years ago, I think that it was pretty rough then. I remember the... Yeah. The 2016 when we played Caulfield yeah. in the second semi, that was... Um, yeah, that, that season and the seasons leading up to that too because they, they'd been in B grade with us and got relegated at the same time. So, um, yeah, they were always good battles. Um, they've done really well since then. Come up a couple of grades. A big one as a kind of years in the resis um, was always Marcelin. They were just we, – when we were good, they were always good. Um, I don't know. I played in a um, clubby's – Final a few years ago, we beat them by a point, two points. Saying after the siren, they missed a goal um, that would have given them a win. So it was just, um, yeah. There's, there's. I, I think the we don't have a natural rival. Like I think as a club, we've maybe in the past there was a few other clubs around us, but we've sort of just dominated that Monash area. I think we're quite easily the biggest club in Monash, certainly from an Amos perspective. But if you look at like vast number of teams and all that sort of stuff. So we don't kind of have a geographical rival. It's more just who happens to kind of be in the divisions and who do we have big games against. Um, old Ivanhoe has been another one for me, just in over the years in um, particularly Resi's footy. Again, they they upset us in a prelim one year. I know they upset that same year the seniors in the unlosable grand final 2013. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, yeah, probably a couple comes to mind. Monash has probably always been one. I don't, we don't seem to have a ferocious rivalry with them, but we just, I don't know. They're all we play them every year. They're in every division we're in. They're just up the road. Probably a bit in that as well. And they could be could be a big rivalry this year if we're, you know, if we're going to play finals, they're, they're definitely going to be there. So that, that, that could be something that develops later in the season. The other one, I suppose, is Peninsula, where um, we obviously played a grand final against them and we're promoted in 2016. B grade um, with them. So that there were a couple of years there where it was, it was pretty fiery and pretty yeah. testy out on the field. I feel like it would have been a lot worse. Like from the events that that happened during that grand final, I know uh, FIBA was getting tagged and his opponent ended up when, when they sort of were losing um, and weren't going to win, his opponent just started throwing haymakers and got carded and it sort of went a bit um, got a bit hostile I guess towards the end and, and then they came back the next year and they were they were rubbish so I feel like the, did you play the, that rematch game Deke? yeah the year after I think oh did I? yeah, 
So 2017, we played them out at, it wasn't their normal home ground, but um, we hadn't won a game. In, I think we played them out round three that year. Nah, um, yeah, I don't think I played. Yeah, we sort of, we did we did touch them up that day, but there was yeah. a big build-up. But um, it's unfortunate when these teams don't stay in your division because, you know, you don't get to continue those rivalries. But yeah. it's good that we've got a couple emerging and a, and a couple of old ones. And I know the, the women are the same. They've had a long-standing rivalry now with, Brunswick Renegades. I think that was one of their original rivals. And first time they beat them was this season after um, getting put to the sword by them a few times in some pretty rough encounters. And also North Brunswick being a another team that they've had some um, rivalry with, Steve. So good to okay. see rivalries live and well. I reckon the, the two always for me, I haven't played like, I only played a couple of years of senior footy and the 19s, you sort of don't really have too many rivalries because the teams are changing and whatnot. Um, but the one always for me was Parkdale. I feel like every time you play them, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, just a, they're just a team you always want to beat. Um, they're always rough. and Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Those games against yeah. Parkdale are always a bit, got a little bit extra. And yeah. they're not having a great season, so... They and could find themselves in C grade next year. Well, the whis- the whisper is uh, that they're they're going to leave the Vaffa, is what I'm hearing. Ooh. Um, Ooh, yeah, big so whisper. Just a... I, I think I don't think it's really a whisper. I think it's like a known a known thing because they, they they wanted to come down to C grade this year and weren't allowed. And I think they they're going to leave the Vaffa. Um, so I don't know how that works for promotion and uh, whatnot. I guess probably. Only one team goes down from B grade instead of two, and that and that fixes it. But um, well, we yeah, that's the that's the whisper on them. They're sort of um, smack bang in the middle of that Southern Footy League area. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think they lose their players for cash for the Southern League, and so they can't retain. No, um, unfortunately. None of us are quite of a vintage to have lived through it, but um, I know there were some really ferocious rivalries back in the original Mazinot days when they were in the Church's League. Um, and they, uh, I think in the early, the early, that probably went away a bit, obviously, when they came to the Vaffa because they just kind of went straight through the grade. So you sort of a different opposition every year. But um, yeah, I know there were some very bitter rivalries. I've heard stories. I don't know who the teams were, but I've heard some some stories about those early grand finals and some of the stuff that went on in them. And I think, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely pretty heated. And obviously it was a different time too. We talk about, you know, one guy throwing haymakers as a bit of an anomaly, but I think back then it was pretty much the norm. There was a few fights. Oh, the game week, plan, so. wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think Tom DeYoung, as our coach, um, he's obviously very fair-spirited in the way he coaches us, but I think he might have played in an era where it was uh, – <laughs> He, he copped a few to the head and he probably gave a few to the head as well. And, uh, and we might have to ask Peter Riley about it. Matches and, uh, yeah. we, might have to, uh, we might have to ask Riles about it when we get him on the podcast later in the year. I think we might have to. He'd be someone that would probably remember. And I think he'd be um, happy with me saying this, that he, he said he used to like to avoid that sort of conflict. So he probably had a, a bit of a vantage point wide on the wing. Um, so he could probably <laughs> let us know exactly what was happening without being sort of confused um, by years of concussions. He's always been a, a lover, not a fighter, Riles. Um, 
let's let's move on. Um, you've uh, you've already dropped a bit of a whisper on us already, Deegs, but um, to formally move us into the segment, the weekly whispers. Um, have you guys got anything this week? Yeah, I've got a couple of whispers, but I guess just before I get to that, I just want to bring up something that the girls are, are doing this week. The girls are celebrating um, Pride Round. Oh, yeah, this, nice. This, uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday or Saturday. I don't know where, they, where they're playing, but they're wearing the, the rainbow socks. Um, there's a few girls in that team that are a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, which is good, and uh, they're raising some some money for a charity called Minus Eighteen, um, and I think that's part of the. Uh, I think the socks, uh, purchasing the socks, goes towards that. And then I think if you if you if you want to donate, I think uh, Cass Stevenson is collecting some money um, to go towards that too. So that's something good that they're doing this week. Um, so hopefully that all goes well for them. Um, Fantastic initiative. I think yeah. one of the things that's so great about the club is the the breadth of diversity that we have and, you know, it's a super inclusive place. And um, I think, yeah, fantastic initiative and yeah, certainly encourage everybody to get behind that. Reach out to Cass, burn out your heart. It's, awesome. it's good that, you know, footy's getting involved with these sort of issues. Obviously we've also got um, mental health round as well. It's happened at different times. I know that um, drink driving awareness, we have um, different times during the year. I remember Warbs wore the number zero jumper a couple of years ago to, to recognise that. So it's awesome that the VAFA and footy in general gets behind these initiatives. Yeah, it's big. I mean, obviously, sport is a huge part of our lives and is a huge centre of community. And so, obviously, you know, it's great that the club and the players within the club as well are, are willing to kind of use that platform for, you know, societal messages and not just sort of rock up, play, go home. Cause um, you know, yeah, definitely particularly after the last couple of years and COVID and all the impacts of that, you know, making the place as open and inclusive and welcoming for everyone as we can. Super important. All right. Yeah. Well, back to the, back to the whispers. I've got usually you sort of say, say my best one each week, um, but I've got a few and I want to bring them all up. Um, so this could go on a while. So the first one I've heard, um, yeah, well, the first one I've heard, so Rob, a couple of weeks off school, might have done a bit of online shopping, potentially, <laughs> and I heard you've got a big, a, a brand new, huge trench coat that you, you're walking <laughs> around school with now, um, sort of trying to change your your identity I guess but you know you're the year 12 coordinator and <laughs> laying the law down is what I'm hearing and you're just walking around like you own the Look place inspect a gadget style or what is it oh, yeah well, I think so that, that's interesting because the, the the trench you're talking about is it's it's tailored um I had it I had it made for me when I was in Vietnam back in 2018 so that's not a new purchase but the RM William boots are new so your mail was half I, right I heard well, so um, you're just trying to pretend you went to yeah, you're trying to pretend you went to Xavier now with the RM Williams, are you? Just turning your back on your heritage. I don't think I don't think Xavier has a monopoly over fine footwear. <laughs> well, that that's one I've heard. Just walk around owning the school. Um, <laughs> the, another one. I'm learning. Yeah, clearly. The other one. Oh, another one I've got is I just need to bring up. We know Webby loves his homebrew. Um, just in the bathtub, <laughs> he's just stirring the 
the bourbon around the bathtub. Um, but he debuted these these new uh, not energy balls. These new skins, these new skin black skins on the on Thursday night. They were real sort of uh, Catwoman like, just black but like, <laughs> like a thicker so, leather. Yeah, and so yeah, like leathery sort of pants. So I think potentially this is a whisper. I don't know if there's any truth to this, but he could be starting his own sort of um, label he- hero. No, no, no. Just I think he might be sort of superhero at night type thing that he's done, <laughs> oh, um, like a bit of vigilante. Yeah, so. like so if he if he gets the call, he he just sneaks off from training and and fights crime and then um, <laughs> comes back and he's already sort of half dressed because they sort of look like skins. But that might be his outfit that he's uh, he's running with, uh, you know, late at night fighting crime. He's the hero Gotham deserves, I reckon, Webby. Yeah. There's a bit in that, I reckon, because he obviously has no problem putting together extremely stringent training regimes, which is the sort of thing that you can imagine goes on down in the Batcave type setup. Yeah. So the second we go into lockdown, everyone else is like, oh, what do I do? Not used to this. He's straight into, oh, I'll do this on Mondays. Here's what we do on Tuesdays. I reckon uh, he could be onto something. He's always yeah, up to so- something, Webby, too. He's always got. He's always doing something different. He's always working somewhere else. Got a lot of fingers in pies, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a yeah a double life as a superhero or vigilante. Well, he he he. I reckon I reckon he plays it off as he's gone on a big run. You know, I've just been on a three-hour marathon again. <laughs> this is my fourth day in a row. No one knows where he is because we think he's running. Maybe he's actually out there. Um, you know, Glenn Whaley is turning into a little bit of a bad neighbourhood, and I know he lives in Dandy. So there's heaps of there's heaps of. Uh, Crime going on around there, mate. That maybe that's what he's up to uh, late at night. Uh, but my last one is so at home gatherings only two at the moment, or as of as of the, oh, the podcast. You're not about to dob someone in, are you? No, no, no. So the the younger boys of the club, you um, yeah, Jack Sullivan, Matt Fewings, Jackson D'Angelo, Lockheed Noon um, type group decided to go down the park. You can have, I think, you can have twenty in the outdoor gathering at the moment. Um, oh, yes. So they, they went down to the park and, and decided to do some karaoke. Uh, <laughs> oh, what? Down to the park. <laughs> um, which by all reports went, went unbelievable. And so, you know, just while we're talking about this, they're happy to do karaoke. So that obviously means that they're happy to, to do an act for for the non-talent night when that happens. Yeah, so they're in, um, they're, in. they're in. But the person that I want to nominate, and I've seen a little bit of footage, is Jackson D'Angelo. Um, he went a bit left field and decided to, to sort of pick a rap number for his song. And I've seen a bit of footage and he's very, very nervous. Uh, he's sort of holding the microphone upside down while he's rapping into it, avoiding all eye contact. <laughs> Yeah. Just a little bit stuttery. So he's one that I would love to see, you know, he's probably embarrassed himself a little bit in front of that little group uh, on the weekend. He's now got some time because the, the non-talents not put, has been pushed back a few months. Ooh, he's yeah. now got some time to work on that on that performance and come back little and cheese. really deliver. Yeah, um, little, little Wayne. Who, who's that? Little Cheers is where it's at. Yeah, little Cheers. And and Jooksy's kids on Instagram if you, if you want to have a little bit of a laugh. Um, so we'll talk, talk about Instagram. That, that, 
I hear a little whisper, Steve. You could probably confirm. Yeah, this. yeah, that's yep, yep. I've got a big one, big one for you guys. Um, and it's it's unfolding as we speak. So by the time this podcast hits the airwaves tomorrow morning, who knows what it will be? But um, the the man who was subject to one of the earlier in the season whispers, Sammy Carrig from the threes. His uh his lovely wife um must have uh, been timekeeping or something because she was down in our game on the weekend and. She, she made a short little video of him doing some of his best work on the weekend where he sort of – it's about a 15-second segment uh, where he he gathers the ball, gives up a handball, gets it back, and he gives it don't argue where the guy – it's a littleish guy – goes flying backwards about 10 metres and Sammy kicks it and the ball comes back to him and he gets it again. Anyway, um, Sammy's obviously a pretty stocky guy and he, he's the guy that earlier in the year we talked about um, did his hammy about 30 seconds into the game in the practice match. Uh, that video has made its way onto got posted earlier tonight by the Ultimate Resi Instagram account, and it has gone viral within about thirty minutes. It was in the multiple thousands of likes, comments flooding in. Um, I was I'm on a, a thirds group chat that someone goes, "Oh, Sammy, you're famous." You had no idea what was going on, hadn't 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 even seen it yet. But yeah, that thing's gone absolutely viral. So. Anyone out there, um, it, it's posted on our thirds Facebook page. So, it, firstly, there's a rat amongst the ranks because someone's, yeah, someone's, someone's tipped video. off. Yeah. The, there's a Mad Monday Facebook group. They posted it as well as a story. Um, oh. And it, it's just, it's gone everywhere. And uh, if anyone wants to check it out, either check on the thirds Facebook page or um, I think it's up there or else, uh, yeah, the Ultimate Resi on Instagram posted it tonight. It's a, uh, Sammy Is doing he happy about it being public, or do you want to? Well, look, I, I don't know how he feels, but what I can tell you is the comments are all going one way, which is universally positive towards the big man. It's just how's the repeat efforts from him? You know, three touches in fifteen minutes—that's more than I've had all season. Type sort of stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> just really good, really good. So I'm not. I'm watching it now. That kid is eleven. Yeah, <laughs> it's the, that guy is it's, tiny. That uh. Yeah, it's it's a bit unfortunate for the guy who gets done arguing because he gets ragdolled around. <laughs> he does. A few, get a few people ragdolled around the course of the day, actually. That um, but yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that thing's gone viral. All right, Robbie, what about you? You got anything for us this week? Uh, I've I've got a couple of irons in the fire. I just want to confirm some sources. So next week, um, I don't want to go too early on this. So next week, I'll, I'll probably have a couple of big whispers to announce. Um, they're just murmurs at this stage. I'll just, I'll just wait till next week, I think. N- nothing on Stewie Inglis this week? <laughs> well, Stewie, he's always a chance. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> because of the lockdown, his weddings had to get pushed back again. So that's obviously going to delay things a little bit. So, um, Does he yeah. get to do another, another Bucks night? Well, Maybe. I think he'd be keen to, um, yeah. Stu, but I don't, know, I don't know if there is the time or the... Um, the ability with the way the rules are at the moment to get a to get a crew together um, like he had for his bucks, but where there's a will, there's a way. So possibly, but um, yeah, no, definitely feel for Stu and Steph at the moment and all those people who are missing out on um, major events because of the the new rules. Yeah, super tough. Um, all right, well, look, uh, let's leave it there. Great to be back on field. Great to have seven wins, and uh, let's hope the momentum can carry into this weekend. Uh, Diggs, Rob. Any parting words? Go nuts.